Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. On the Sideline, a podcast for coaches and aspiring coaches, where we share the best practices of coaching, interview with coaches, and experts in the field of coach education. Here's your host, Vin Blaine. Welcome to another episode of On the Sideline. I'm your host, Vin Blaine. Today, I'll be having a discussion with Peter Prickett about his 3v3 coaching concept. Peter is a FA affiliate tutor with a decade of experience coaching with various organizations and is currently studying for a master's degree in performance football coaching. Hi, Peter. Thanks for joining me on the sideline. It's a pleasure having you on. Hi, Vin. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for you accepting my invitation. You're welcome. I saw your books online and I thought it was an interesting topic for youth development but I'm sure that can also be used in your exercises for whatever age group. But in particular, I'm interested in youth development for this topic. The concept of 3v3, because I, I realized it was so popular, you wrote two books, first edition, second edition, where you added to it. So I figure adding to the first edition, you must have come across some other information or other things to improve it. Why 3v3? Uh, just about the two editions, mm-hmm. they are totally different books. Okay. Um, it's the same concept, mm-hmm. but it's not really just added on. It's, it is new, uh, new chapters, new practices. Um, because the reason that happened was because I got feedback for the first book that said, oh, it's comprehensive. And I'm thinking it isn't, I've left loads and loads of stuff out. Mm-hmm. So I put that in the second book. So the two go together um they might be at some point further down in the road in the future like some kind of super edition where they're all combined in together but we'll see about that further down the road um as for why um so it happened that at one of the places where i work at one of the development centers we worked to a curriculum and in that curriculum we had a segment we were looking to work for six weeks focusing on 1v1, 2v2, and 3v3. So I was working through that, and I was doing the 2v2 practices, and I found that they were not to my satisfaction. I thought they were tactically lacking. Even with the younger players, there weren't many outcomes, simply because there's only so many things that can happen with two players. 1v1 was great. Mm -hmm. 2v2 wasn't so good. 2v1... I felt was actually better than 2v2 because you got more outcomes happening. Um, so if you tweak your 2v2 to make it more like a series of 2v1s, maybe you get more from it. But the 3v3, that extra player made such a difference to the amount of possible outcomes. You could get the fundamental shapes of the game occurring. So essentially triangles and offset triangles and you start to develop layers 
and lines mm-hmm. for, pl- for uh, teams that are attacking or players that are attacking to go through. And then, of course, you shrunk the numbers, which in theory should mean that players get more touches to the ball because the ratio is higher. So to me, it was the right balance between the amount of tactical outcomes and complexity plus optimizing the number of touches. Now, I'm just going to say that in my in both books, I do say I'm not telling people to only play 3v3 mm-hmm. because it does have some shortcomings, just like you would get shortcomings from only playing other forms of small-sided game. But I think it will really help if you incorporate it and generate your own variety as well. So as a supplement to what you're doing, or perhaps as a base to what you're doing, depending on the age, that's where I think the, the concept and the idea is important okay. or useful. Yes. And all right, you speak about the different things that can happen in the 3v3. Give me some of the areas you think that you can imp- that the youngsters will learn from in a 3v3. I know may- may- maybe decision-making will be one of them, right? Yeah. But give me some of so, the concepts you have in there that may improve on something else. So one very simple thing that, that, that won't happen in a 2v2 that will happen in a 3v3 is a third-man run. Mm-hmm. Right. Obviously, because you haven't got three players. Yes, yes. So yes. you have to. So a third man one can occur, and then the concept of triangles. So we are looking at creating shapes in possession that are essentially triangular. So then we have options around one twos, overlaps, underlaps, crossover movement, players cutting in, and all that sort of thing. Some of which will happen in two v two. But I think that the triangle concept is really important. And that's also important defensively. So if you're defending with just two players, the best you can get is still called on FA courses the job and a half of one player applying pressure and the other player sweeping, but at the same time being aware of the player they are marking is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But you don't get the option of having two players going to apply pressure and one player covering or one player pressurizing and two players covering, making triangles in that way. Right. Uh And these are important to the game. Or you can work in in a line. So it's only, you know, you get that that concept of a player shuffling across, Mm -hmm. the next one slides and the next one slides. And it happens relatively naturally. Right. Compared to if you're playing 6v6. Mm -hmm. That might not be so natural. You might get other things happening. And then, you, of course, again, you're sacrificing the number of touches. Right. And that is important at that young age, at the younger age. So you're, what you're saying, that 3v3 offers you an easier way to guide them through the principles of play. Yes, I definitely. So um, Horst Vane is the, the granddaddy of, that, of, yeah. three, of 3v3 yes. and his Faninho concept, mm-hmm. which is brilliant. Um, and I'm not going to criticize his work because his work is great. I just felt that there was an opportunity to take his work to a slightly different place mm-hmm. where you start to bring out key principles of play, but you're doing it through the design and some of the constraints that are in place rather than through coaching. So you've still got the importance of play, which is so important. We talk about the younger players, even even older players, they want to play too. Uh, and we're trying to generate implicit learning 
So the learning happens based on just the rules and the setup, not the coach having to try and pour info into the players. And if the players don't get it, never mind, they still played. Right. And although in the 3v3, you can also say that the game itself, in the 3v3 game itself, without the boys or girls knowing the principles of play, it shows within the, the exercise, but although they don't realize the concept, but it shows. So you can, it's easier to teach the principles, yeah. I think. Yes, I, I think so. Yeah. I think so. Uh, again, you could do that in a 4v4. Mm-hmm. You could do that in a 5v5, but your math will tell you 4v4, there's two extra players on the pitch, mm-hmm. which means inevitably someone is going to lose out on touches. Mm-hmm. I, I imagine you did, you did your research by maybe observation and even applying the, the, the exercises in a practical way. Yeah, so there was um, there was a lot. Well, I, I say there was a lot of research. Uh, I'm currently doing a, a master's degree, mm-hmm. and I'm looking at doing further three v three research because in terms of academic papers. Mm-hmm. There are not a huge amount out there for 3v3. The, fo- the research seems to have focused more on 4v4, 5v5, even 1v1, 2v2. Mm-hmm. But 3v3 seems to have been skipped slightly. So that's something that I'm looking to carry more research out into. Um, but yes, observation, um, putting it into action, so research in action, if you like, uh, and watching what happens with players and I came up with the concept uh, and I was just using all the concepts, I suppose. I was using the, the practices with some groups of players. Then they became the book. And after the book, what I did was I had a group of under eights. I actually had two groups of under eights. And I just went, right, we're just going to use what's in here. We're just going to use this 3v3 stuff and see what happens. Um, I think they improved. I'm not going to put that down just to the format, though, mm-hmm. because I think that would be arrogant to do so. Mm-hmm. Because And also, players improve anyway. Right. You, could be a te- you could be a terrible coach, but your players improve by through just, other means. By you just, can't just put it... Yeah. But it's having a, a, a situation where they're touching the ball. Oh. Yeah. They could they could go off and do any all sorts of things yes. outside of your session and they improve. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean it's because of you and what you're doing. But yep. they did improve. Mm-hmm. The the important thing for me was watching the parents and the parents going, they're really enjoying this, and they and the parents going, they seem to be improving. The players enjoying it, and the players were able to tell me more ideas and concepts than they previously could. Yes. Um, just because we touched on the ideas, not because we hadn't focused on the ideas, but we touched on them and they put them into action. And they were always wanted to come back because they were playing. They spent most of their time playing the game. Well, I don't really want you to simplify the, 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 the um, importance of them playing the 3v3, though. And you're saying they'll improve, but you're improving them in, in a way that the idea of playing the game, the principles that are involved, that they will, at a later date, they'll get the concept easier, I think. So your concept of 3v3, which is, one, giving them more touches of the ball, two, give them an organized way of playing, and three, giving you the freedom to observe their, 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 their movements and things. 
What do you think? So there's two bits of feedback that I keep getting from the books, mm-hmm. um, which are slightly negative, it, 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 only slightly. Uh, and there's the persistent question of how big should the pitches be? Mm, okay. Okay. Right, and I, I deliberately left it out of the first book. In the second book, there's a table in there. And the other feedback is, oh, I was expecting some more detail in the session plans. There's reasons that there's not that much detail. You just said you don't really want me to simplify it. But I believe that when we are making a plan, we have a, a piece of white space, piece of paper to fill in mm-hmm. or a document or whatever it is we use. The more of it we fill in, the more of our ideas go in and the more we feel we have to use them. By leaving some of that space blank, we give the players an opportunity to fill those spaces with their thoughts and their ideas. Now, our idea is still important because that gives us something to to build on and start from. But if we can get strong ideas from the players, whatever age they are, and that gives them ownership, that gives them elements of metacognition, where they are asking questions of themselves and perhaps even providing answers of themse- for themselves, that's going to be a stronger tool. And similar with the, with the pitch size, mm-hmm. because the size is going to be different depending on the players and also on what you're looking to get out of it. Right, right, exactly. So I've left, I try and leave space for people to make their own decisions mm-hmm. and space for the players to provide their input. Mm-hmm. I like that approach, Peter, because young coaches will be looking towards this book and they're influenced a lot of time by what the author says, especially if it's coming from exercises where you see big clubs doing. And I like the idea of leaving them, leaving their own judgment as to what space is all about. And you say something critical there about depending on what you want to get out of it. Yeah. Yeah, because if you're doing something that they're creating with, obviously it should influence them to have a wider pitch. So I, I like the idea of leaving that out. But unless you made inference there that says, okay, the space is, I like that, that the space is dependent on what you're trying to achieve. I like that statement right there. Because I like the idea of 3v3. And, 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 um, you know, it's, you, also, it's also dependent on what the players are capable of achieving. Yes, you mean their, their level of... of um, yeah, their so level. Mm-hmm. Um, let's use the, word, the terms very good players, mm-hmm. whatever good is, might be capable of creating wit right. on a narrow or small pitch. Yes. However, beginners might need the extra width mm-hmm. that the pitch might afford them, mm-hmm. and they might need other influences, like putting the two goals at one end and putting them very wide because they will be attracted to the goals. So by putting those wide, even if the ball is on one side, you can very simply say, okay, look what's happened to the space. Everyone's over here. So where could someone go to, to score quite easily? Oh, if I go and stand by the other goal. Okay, fine. Whereas more competent players might not be so attracted to the goal, even right. if it's just one goal in the middle, yeah. they might be more attracted to the space because they have that understanding and that spatial awareness and the experience to do so. Mm-hmm. In, in, your, in your books, in your book, and you're talking about, I'm sure somebody might have come up and asked you, what shape will you play them in? So if you have an inverted triangle, mm-hmm. right, uh, 
they could they could adapt depending on what they are doing. If they are defending or they are attacking, mm -hmm. could they use one two or two one depending on how absolutely. it goes? Huh? Mm -hmm. Absolutely, it yeah. depends. It completely depends on what we're doing. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you let's take um, overlap. Right. So if they are playing a one-two mm -hmm. in possession, mm -hmm. and the overlap is therefore going to come from the one. The one, right. Mm -hmm. So if they pass it forward and make the run, mm -hmm. well, actually, if they if it's a one-two, they're likely to be in a central position. Right. So immediately, that's not an overlap. Mm -hmm. That's an underlap. Mm -hmm. So we have to for them to do the overlap, we'd have to that, or they would have to work the possession so that they had two players almost in a line, so they would pass it and then make the forward run, then you've got the concept of cover. Right. Where is that? Who's covering that space? Mm -hmm. So if we were talking about futsal, that could be useful because then the opposite player, the one who hasn't received the ball and isn't making the forward run, would have to rotate around mm -hmm. to provide the cover option. It's exactly what I was going to ask you. There's a lot of rotation in that three, in those three also. Yeah, there's a lot mm -hmm. of potential rotation. So the two and the one mm -hmm. is difficult for the overlap. Right. So if we have two deeper players mm -hmm. and one as a target, our overlap becomes very simple because the player passes it in and they, they make, make a diagonal pass straight run. Mm-hmm. We've already got an overlap happening. Right, right. So if we are trying to encourage the players to do overlaps and combine in that way, they might be able to recognize what shape to use. It might make it easier. Or it could be the opposite way around, which is if you notice that you are in this shape, that means we're likely to look for an, uh, an overlap. Whereas if we're in the other shape, we're likely to look for an underlap. Right, right. Well... 3v3 isn't really a new concept, and you know that. No, absolutely. But the reason you have done that and do, have done your research, there's, there must be some advantages that you've seen why you brought it to the fore. Yeah, I mean, apart from, we're talking about the different things now, but originally, when you, when you checked it out, and you, you say, okay, I, I've been 1v1, I've been 2v2, but this 3v3 is showing me something that I can, I can really develop on. Give me some of the reasons why you think. So the first thing that happened that led me to creating it, well, I say the first thing, I've already spoken about the, the block of work, mm -hmm. was I made this decision that 3v3 is going to work better for me and my players than 2v2. So I took to social media and asked, has anyone got any really good 3v3 practices they can share? And... I already had the, a horse vein book and I was waiting for more and I got silence, nothing. So it doesn't really exist. And I, I looked, I looked on Amazon and so on and I couldn't find anything. So I'm like, okay, I guess I'll just have to make some. So that's what was what happened. I, I started to make my own practices, which I then shared mm -hmm. on social media and if people had been paying enough attention at the time, they could probably have got 75% of these two books for nothing. Yeah, so I saw at that comment. I saw that comment. That <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. You're, you're putting it out there in your research. You're just putting them out. But I put it out there. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. And people said to me, oh, this, you should do a book. It'd be really good. I'm like, yeah, yeah, whatever, if you say so. <laughs> um, 
And then eventually I did and took everything down. Mm-hmm. But I still occasionally share free bits mm-hmm. to, you know, mm-hmm. tempt people in. Mm-hmm. Um, or if I'm fiddling around with a new idea, I might share it. But at the core of my coaching philosophy is dribbling. Okay. Um, and a question that I like to ask of coaches quite a lot is, why did you decide to become a coach? Or why did you want to become a coach? Mm-hmm. And you get some varied and interesting answers, but my answer is very specific. It's that I wanted to help develop players and I specifically wanted to create or help develop creative, exciting players who could take people on. Mm-hmm. I didn't think there were enough dribblers in the game. Okay. So that concept sits behind a lot of what I do. What I do, and if it's with the foundation phase and the younger players, it probably sits behind everything that I do. Mm-hmm. That links to the amount of touches, mm-hmm. the opportunity for one v one situations, or one v two or one v three situations, and that is the foundation and the cornerstone. Because and there's something again, it's it's in the book. I say my opinion. I could be wrong and people who have other opinions, that's yeah, fine. Yeah. My opinion is it's much easier when a player hits 16, 17, 18. If they're a dribbler, it's much easier to teach them to pass exactly. than it is to try and teach someone of that age yes. who is a passer to dribble Right. because I think it's a mindset. I'm glad you, go, you went there, Peter, because you were saying teach them to dribble and take on defenders. I find a lot of times what I find, I don't know in the UK if this is a, a, a practice of some young coaches, but they keep shouting at the players to pass at a young, young age, eight, nine, ten, and they're killing these kids to pass the ball. And I agree with you. At the older age, it's going to be harder for them to learn to dribble. That's my, that's my belief also. Yeah. I wonder, I've, I've asked this question before, if morally we see passing as superior to dribbling because it's unselfish. Mm-hmm. It's giving. Yes. It's not retaining and keeping because that's what dribbling is. It's it's trusting your teammates, whereas the dribbler is trusting themselves. I just wonder if there's this subconscious moral objection in some places to dribbling. And that's why you get people saying they're greedy or there's a sh- they're a show off or they're showboating or whatever. And I wonder if that's really what the problem is. Part of the problem I feel in certain countries, and I won't, I won't say which countries that I believe that happens. You see the, you see the pay-to-play in academies mm-hmm. and games. The coaches are the coaches sort of think they have a responsibility to get other players who are paying to get the ball sometimes. So they discourage youngsters to dribble because they want the ball to be passed to Peter so Peter can get a touch of the ball because after the session, the parents are going to come and say, hey, my boy wasn't getting any playing time, any play at all, you know, because Johnny keeps dribbling because he's a good dribbler and he can do all of that. So I think that coaches who have academies have to decide, is it for the money or is it for development? That's like the webinar you did today about development or winning. You know, we can balance those things also. What's your idea about that? Uh, Well, what you've just said about Peter hasn't had the ball today. Mm -hmm. If they're playing larger numbers, that's more of a problem. Mm -hmm. When the numbers become smaller, Mm -hmm. 
that's less of an issue. Right. And I found I found that a lot. Um, I worked last year with a group like under eight of very wide ability. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Some players who are very much beginners, some who are very strong. And obviously the strong players dominated no matter what the format was. Mm-hmm. But I could quite easily change up who was playing with who and all that sort of thing. But the, the players who were at the beginner stage, they still got their contact time with the ball. They were still involved. Mm-hmm. They didn't get lost. Now, at times, the players did request, can we do a big game? So <laughs> I, I would I would occasionally acquiesce and mm-hmm. I would say, fine, we're gonna, we've done a lot of good stuff today. Last 10 minutes, we can play 6v6. It was always, always the stronger players who wanted to play 6v6. Right. And I could guarantee that the more beginner players would be the ones who disappeared. Easily. Didn't get involved. And sometimes didn't get involved to the extent where they are occupying their own little space Mm -hmm. that is no longer an area of a football pitch. (laughs) It's their their grazing space. Yes. They're just sort of wandering around and and not involved (laughs) which didn't which they didn't do when they're playing 3v3 yeah yeah i like i like the grazing phase you know because (laughs) i like that i like that that's a perfect description of a kid just standing there watching the game you know and this is why i believe and what you said about players wanting to play a bigger game because that's what they relate to you know, mm-hmm. so it's not about development. You no, know, they just want to play a bigger game, something that they've seen on television, something they they see there. Maybe the next group of players in in a half a pitch is play, they're playing a big game. You know, if if they've got FIFA at home, mm-hmm. how many players are playing? Right, right. Now, okay, they put in a they put the Volta mo- mode in this mm-hmm. year, which is basically five a side. So there is some ex- some exposure to small sided games mm-hmm. on the games that they play at home, mm-hmm. but they're still more playing the 11v11. Okay. 3v3 concept. I don't, I'm, I'm not saying maybe it's through your book. It could have been. But from what I've read, and you have mentioned it also, that it's in Germany, they have taken on that, and maybe it's not all areas, but some areas in Germany, they have, they have bought into the 3v3 concept. Can you explain that finding to me? Um, So it's happened fairly recently, and there have been a few stories uh, reporting it, that they did their research. Uh, They were not happy with their last uh, performances at major tournaments. Mm -hmm. Uh, So they act very quickly out there, and they decided that their players were technically very good, Mm -hmm. but possibly a little bit too robotic and lacking in flair. Mm Mm-hmm. So they needed more free play and therefore they are using form a form of 3v3, which is very close to Horst Vane's Faninho concept because they are looking for more free play and more creativity from their players. Okay. That's that's a summing up of it. Yeah. Okay. I don't know whether it's actually kicked in yet. I'm not sure. There's been a lot of talk. I, I don't know, but I have seen some documents. I've got one here somewhere where it outlines how they're going to use it okay that, that would be good that's a good research i would love to see that before i move on let me let me my listeners know that peter's written a book it's, it's called developing skill a guide to 3v3 soccer coaching now there's two versions 
yeah, it's just developing skill, as you said. And yes. the second one is just called developing skill too. And in the second book, you have more. Do you have more uh, sessions? Uh, all all the practices are different mm-hmm. uh, to the first book. Um, the introduction is somewhat similar to book number one. Yes, that was probably that was probably the hardest bit to write. Okay. And I discussed this with the publishers because I had to say roughly the same things because the concepts were the, the same. same. Yeah, the same. But yeah. be different enough that whoever read the first book wasn't going, he's just repeated the exact same chapter. Yeah. But at the same time, provide the same sort of introduction mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. people got for the first book. And the other one that was quite difficult was the chapter that was, here's your free, free your basic core 3v3 stuff. Mm-hmm that wasn't linked to transition or attacking play. There is another difference is there's slightly more of an emphasis on um, attacking play and situations in the second book because I I make a note in there that there are probably 12 practices in the first book that concentrated on attacking play. Of course, attacking play happens because it happened because it was the game. Naturally, yes. but that was something or an area that I thought I had more, much more to, to write about and give. Okay. And that's what, I, and there must have been additional information that you needed to put out there while you wrote a second book. I know you also uh, are into futsal, seriously into futsal, because I read where you're one of the first uh, UK person to have a UFB futsal um, license. So how does, because 3v3, futsal 5v5. Mm-hmm. So the core of a of a of futsal would be a three v three. If you look at the positions, like a central player, two wide players, you can you can basically get the core uh, exercise from. You can incorporate three v three in the futsal, couldn't, couldn't you? Yes, definitely. Discuss futsal as far as that is concerned. Well, I use a, a lot of the practices uh, that are in the book. It proclaims to be a, a book about soccer. Yes. Or football. But I use them for futsal all the time because the basic concepts are the same. And this was a, a big discussion I had with the publisher mm-hmm. um, who said, be more specific, because if you're less specific, you might think you're growing your audience. But what you're doing is you're just sort of deflecting and filtering people out. You want to narrow people in. Mm-hmm. Um but all of the practices will work for futsal. And actually, they'll probably work for hockey, field hockey. Mm-hmm. They'll probably work for basketball. Or they'll definitely work for basketball with a few tweaks. They'll work for most invasion games where the objective is to combine as a team, keep possession, to go forward and to score in some form of target. The, con- the core concepts and principles are pretty much the same for all of them. The thing that changes is the equipment or the the playing surface. Mm -hmm. So, yes, they they 100% work for futsal. Some of them I won't change at all. Some of them I might try and use a couple of different constraints because I might be more interested in trying to get players to use the sole of their foot a bit more. Mm -hmm. Or I might even be encouraging them to shoot more with their toes Mm -hmm. because that's quite important in futsal. important, yes. But mainly, it'd be the same game, the same practice. What do you think the transition game in the 3v3? I think from my perspective, they're closer. They, they, they can affect uh, pressing quicker, yep. which, just, which are small numbers. So attack to defense, 
and vice versa. We can work on that easier thing. When when we play futsal, when we're introducing people to futsal, most of the time, what they see when they watch the videos is they go, oh, it's, it's five a side. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes, it is. But play it and then you tell me the difference. And the biggest difference is the speed of the game. Yes. Because of how quick the ball moves across the surface. And if you have all committed forwards and you've not applied any cover, mm-hmm. you'll get opened up constantly. Quickly. Yeah, quickly. Quick transitions. Mm-hmm. And yes, in 3v3, you'll get that as well because of the size of the area. This is where we come back to the size of the area and the size of the space. If it's quite short pitch, you might not get the same sort of transitions. If you've got a slightly longer pitch, you will get that running with the ball or that fast passing more so than the shorter pitch. The shorter pitch will get a quick transition that's over very quickly. Yes. Either with a goal or a mistake or the ball's gone out of play. But when it's a bit longer, maybe an extra five or six metres, you'll get more of a, a pure transition mm-hmm. that will link into your futsal or into your football. I'm going to ask you now, because you have sessions written out in your, in your books. Mm-hmm. A typical session, without getting too much t- t- technical. Sure, tactical, sure. A typical session for a 3v3. You're, you're encouraging coaches to use 3v3. Sure. Give me a typical session from warm-up to, to your last game. Okay. So um, I might have to give you two. I okay, know you said no don't problem. Go two because I'm conscious of how I'd use it or how I do use it with younger players versus how I use it with older players. Okay. Okay. Um, with my younger players, the first thing they will do 99% of the time is play a game. So they'll arrive and I will normally have two 3v3 pitches set up. So as they come in, they can play. And if it starts out as a 1v1 game, fine. 2v1, et cetera, et cetera, whatever. That's all fine. Uh, we're up to, uh, we've are up we got eight players now. Okay, eh, we might stick with 4v4 depending how it's going, or we might go and play 2v2. And we'll keep going like that until there's a certain number of players. And then I'll probably stop. The next thing we'll do will be something dribbling related that might be pure ball mastery uh, or skill of the week, which I sometimes do with the younger players. And then from there, or I will make sure there is some sort of opportunity to practice their dribbling in a 1v1 of some sort. Now, that could mean that there are nine players with a ball at their feet and three players who've got a bib in their hand who are trying to throw the bib and hit the ball. And if they hit the ball, they swap but they still have to negotiate this player. Or it might be more of a straightforward 1v1 practice with goals and things. It depends on the situation. From there, we will normally go into some sort of 3v3 practice with a theme. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the sessions from the book, which might be something like it's a 2v2 on the pitch and there's a target player at the end to play into. If they play into them, get it back. Or it might be end zones. You've got to dribble into the end zone. And then depending on the players, we might either go, right, we're just going to play normal 3v3, or we might play some corrupted version of 3v3. Mm -hmm. I like to play. So if we're talking, I mentioned earlier about having two pitches next to each other. So 
what I will quite often do is take the midline out and play a crossways. Mm -hmm. So you've got two games crossing each other or the two goals that are on the same line Mm -hmm. will play against each other. So they have to go in a U shape to try and score. Okay, okay. So, and then they've also got to deal with the chaos of the other players being around. Being around, yeah. So they're passing, um, and for passing lanes then? Yeah. They've got to work work out lanes and lines and mm-hmm. angles and mm-hmm. all sorts of things. But as I also mentioned earlier, I would sometimes play, okay, we're going to do 66, depending on the levels of the players. And if that's what they are hankering for particularly, yeah. <laughs> I'll go, yeah, no problem. No problem. Yeah. With the older ones, yes. The 3v3 will also be used as an introduction, and it's sometimes then used as a build into the main session. So like a a smaller version of the larger concept. So if that session finishes with a 6v6 or an 8v4, we can have a six-player. Because I say 3v3, sometimes it's not really 3v3, it's more like six-player games. So a 4v2, for example. Yes, so if it's an 8v4 that's coming, we'll do two 4v2s and move in. Or if it's a dribbling or a running with the ball based thing where we're trying to break lines of running with the ball, we can do that in a 3v3 first and then see if we can take that into a 6v6 later. Yeah, I, I, I like the concept. We have gone through all the benefits of, of, of our 3v3. I want, mm-hmm. I want you to finish up with this. If you're trying, if you're convincing me that 3v3 is the way to go. Give me some of the areas you think that are important to tell me why I should try 3v3. Your players will thank you. And, you leave, and we can leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> they will. They'll be, they will. They'll, honestly, they'll be, they'll be happier players. And I have, I have seen this. Because they are playing so much mm-hmm. and they so many touches and they are being encouraged to be creative and exciting and i try and make sure they have an environment where nothing is too crazy i've used that phrase before no idea that you have is too crazy Mm -hmm. try it just try it Mm -hmm. so they're fine to do that and most of the time i have very happy players great and let me finish up now with this i'm saying apart from the, the, the two books that you put out there peter Mm-hmm. Where else can coaches have access to your work? If you go to t- on Twitter, it's at Peter Prickett. Um, I've also done a, a second page called Developing Skill. I think the handle is at Skill Developing, though. That's the way it came out on Twitter, which is specifically for the books. Yes. Um, you find me on LinkedIn. Again, just put my name in. Uh, I do have a Facebook, but I don't use it because I have certain objections around Facebook. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. uh, That'll be the main places to find me. Um, I'm normally putting different things out and sharing resources. And I could be working on a third book, but not necessarily a freebie free book this time. Yes, yes. I really appreciate your book. I want to encourage encourage youth coaches to go out and... um, Take a look at your book. We are just we have just touched the surface of what's in the book. And the other the other thing is that if someone gets my book mm-hmm. and they don't use any of it, but it gives them an idea to go and do something of their own that's slightly different. Right. To me, that's just as good. You give them an idea to to, to if to, I've if I've been able to spark an idea yes. in someone, 
that's that's possibly even better right right because right. like you're you're alluding to we get better as a whole when people have new ideas new concepts are willing to try different things that's that's how we all get better Okay, great. Well, Peter, I want to thank you for your time. It was thank, quite thank informative. You. Hopefully, when your new book comes out, I get an opportunity to have you on to discuss that also. But thanks again for coming on. I appreciate thank it. Thank you very much. Enjoyed it a lot. All right, man. Take care, Peter. This definitely was an interesting conversation regarding the use of 3v3 in youth training programs. And I must say that Peter's book is a must-have Join me again next time when my special guest will be Ian O'Neill discussing patterns of play in the 4231 formation. Thanks for listening. If you found value in the show, please share with your friends. We'd love to hear your views. So if you haven't already done so, please like, subscribe, and leave a review. Make sure to visit our website at onthesideline.net where you can access coaching sessions and more. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.